boy, here we go. I always wanted to do a cold open like that, and uh, now I have. Life accomplished. Uh, welcome one and all to Sonic Tooth, the place where I'll be talking about a song or an album in depth, maybe talk about the artist, and some other stuff I care about. And again, I'd like to point out that the best way to enjoy my blatherings is through Anchor, the app I use to record the podcast. At a minimum, you will have integrated 30-second snippets of the songs I talk about, but if you connect your Spotify Premium or Apple Music account, you will enjoy the whole song within the show. Since last week's episode about Mastodon's Crack the Sky was so well-received, I'm going to carry on with this format uh, with today's album, Between the Buried and Me's recently completed double-part album, Automata. This is particularly exciting because the album has recently come out in its completion, which means that there is really no definitive interpretation to the story, which means we can get weird. Oh yeah, weird. So... To help me with this, I'll be utilizing a grin analysis by uh, Reddit user Microbs. I'm hoping I pronounced that right, so shout out to you, friend. It was incredibly helpful. Okay, so a little bit about the band. Uh, at this point, these guys are iconic, but to the uninitiated, Between the Baird and Me are a progressive death metal band who have been active since the year 2000, so about 18 years, give or take. They currently consist of uh, Tommy Rogers on the vocals, uh, Paul Wagoner as the lead guitarist, uh, we have Dusty Waring as a rhythm guitarist, Dan Briggs on bass, and Blake Richardson on the drums. I personally do not relate to their first two albums, but it's important to mention the role they play in laying a raw foundation to BT Bam's sound that continues to be an integral part of it today. I like BT Bam like I like my apples, without the core. <laughs> uh, as you heard from our first song for today, Bloom, they have grown closer and closer to Mr. Bungle, and that's fine by me. Uh, notably, 2005 is when Dusty, Dan, and Blake joined the band, and there's a clear shift in sound with their latest album at the time, Alaska. BT Bam started to get significantly more intricate in their music. The composition became denser and more complex, and this album houses one of the quintessential BT Bam songs, as it does a very good job showcasing what they're about. I absolutely love this song, especially the main riff and the final solo. This is Selkies. Alrighty, so without further ado, let's jump into this bad boy. So uh, part one came out March 9th and part two on July 13th of this year. So this is all really fresh. It takes place in a dystopian future where people's dreams are broadcasted for the society's entertainment. If that's not Black Mirror enough for you, I really don't know what is. So first up, then the lead single, Condemned to the Gallows, parentheses, night one. Very haunting opening that really gets you in the mood for this entire piece. Uh, the standout moment for me personally is the breakdown at roughly 4 minutes and 37 seconds where the bass explodes in a way that BT Bam really know how to do. And uh, Tommy just growls condemned just so powerfully. I get massive stank face during that moment and uh, believe me, it will be the first of many on this album if you listen with me. So lyrics wise... We're immediately given some sense of chronological order as this song is dubbed as Night One. Uh, and don't worry, they'll make it very difficult to piece together, but that's part of the fun. So at this point, we are also relying on some excerpts from the upcoming official lyrical analysis, which is useful. And again, thanks again to McCrobs for collating this. We know that our protagonist finds himself in a cabin in the woods in a dream. And I swear, if I had an Inception sound button, you would be getting absolutely sick of me about two minutes ago. The character is looking for his family and is fraught with deep emotional pain. And this tragedy is actually manufactured by the company and technological system he is trapped in, the Voice of Trespass, or VOT. 
A recurring motif that is worth mentioning is the crimson moon that will be visible to the protagonist throughout the story. And quoting from the lyrics here, quote, Crimson moonbeam lights my journey, crippled with time, desperate strides into nothing. End quote. I'm taking it to be the voice of trespass being present in the protagonist's thoughts and constantly influences him to perform according to the audience's wishes, often via suicide. Which uh, leads us to the next track, House Organ, parentheses, day one. The beat in the beginning of this is really catchy, and the looming riff that constantly builds up makes a song sound really sinister. It's incredibly satisfying when this reaches its high point about 57 seconds in within those incredibly lush stints. This part where Tommy screams, smash, ignite, destroy, hits you really hard as well. And I especially like how synthy this part is. Uh, it's really fitting for a song called House Organ. I also absolutely love Tommy's vocals when he sings Shine Down from about 2 minutes 45. It sounds so pure and, and really makes the protagonist's prospect sound hopeful. Speaking of, we catch up with our protagonist about to hang himself, wanting to destroy his own weekend frame. It's important to note that here, the protagonist's son appears and manages to convince him to live longer, but the boy warns, quote, there's more to this than it may seem, end quote. This line is very closely tied to the repetition of the Crimson Moon motif, which leads me to think that the boy is warning the protagonist that he is in fact trapped in a dream, and that the crimson moon is the key to his escape. Almost like the one flaw the voice of trespass didn't account for by placing a constant gaze on its inhabitants, kind of like the reactor on the Death Star. Uh, so our protagonist lives on, and uh, we have uh, yellow eyes parentheses night four next. Boom, 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 bah! God damn, that riff is so good. Uh, Blake's drumming on this is so poignant as well, and I love how he accentuates the synths with his snares, and Tommy's growls are so rhythm-conscious, too. I also have to mention the beautiful, quiet interlude from about four minutes in, in that it really gives you a Lunar Wilderness vibe off of their Parallax 1 EP. It's just so beautiful. Uh, our protagonist notices, you guessed it, yellow eyes all around, and starts to feel like prey. I'm taking this as a representation of the audience feeding off the protagonist's trauma and pain. More than anything, I view this as the moment the curtain gets lifted, so to speak, and our protagonist is cognizant that his reality is fake. The song uses imagery that appears and disappears, a pile of flesh in this case, that makes him question his reality. McRobbs adds as a final thought to the song, quote, he searches inside himself and deviates from his typical programming to see the voice of trespass has stripped him of all logical thought and manipulated him to provide better content for the viewers. The curtain surrounds logical thought, another lyric, which indicates that potentially none of the, his actions are his own. And I really like that this is also speculative. We get to just really put our own spin on things. And now we head to the second single off Automata 1, Millions, in parentheses, before. My personal interpretation of the lyrics here, especially in conjunction with Yellow Eyes is a moment of reflection from our protagonist. A yearning plea to join the spectator rather than be the subject. He wants to rest his mind and join the millions that fly overhead. The protagonist could be expressing regret for ever agreeing to be a part of the voice of trespass. Um, and this is a quick one, so okie dokie. So we're heading to the finale of part one. I'm going to pair the instrumental goal distance, which leads into the mammoth of the, of the part one closer, blot, 
Enjoy. Ding, 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 ding. We got a sitar on this album. Woo! I really like how uh, BTBM does that sometimes, where they just bring all these different kinds of instruments into their songs that can be a little out of left field. Um, I think a really fresh sound for them in this, in Blot specifically, is the synth bridge around 7 minutes 15. It's incredibly brooding, and having the drums lumber through it as it builds up to the breakdown feels really tribal and incredibly raw. Lastly, I'm sure I'm not the only person who couldn't get Tommy screaming the blood in my eyes circulate out of their head when this first came out. It's such an epic moment um, in the song. Now, in the, in the lyrics themselves, our protagonist is about to do it. He's about to escape. As the chorus prepares us, he is exploring the escape. It is at this point that he is so self-aware of his condition that he turns to the viewers, and I quote, I hope you enjoy the show. It's for you, you know? End quote. Now, I have a few theories here. Throughout Automata, there are references to the grid. It's even the name of the final song in part two. Now, I think the grid is a technical infrastructure that allows the voice of trespass to function and deliver hours of entertainment to society. Now, since it's been discussed in the past that this album is meant to have a positive ending, it leads me to think that the voice of trespass's agenda of greed and subjugation could be surface level at most. I actually think that the voice of trespass is putting its subjects through traumatic gauntlets in hopes that they would break the cycle and emerge an actualized humans as a response to society's hunter-like fascination with tragedy. The kind of fascination that demanded a product such as voice of trespass in the first place. There are two reasons why I think this is the case currently. The main one is around the voice of trespass referring to the protagonist action as the uncommon agenda and then congratulating him on pursuing it. Secondly, the blood in the protagonist's eye could represent the voice of trespass resetting his experience to try to, br to break the cycle once again. Every time a reset happens, the protagonist becomes saddened at his potential loss of his loved ones, or memory of. Whew, okay, and that's part one. I wanted to take a break here to note that the nature of Automata as it was released in two parts with a few months in between. This is BTBAM's first album under their new label, Sumerian Records, and in a BTBAM first, they decided to release Automata in two parts. Tommy was interviewed as it was coming out, um, saying that it was due to the music being dense and will allow fans to fully digest the album. Was this this... It's a considerate approach. I just don't think it was executed very well, as it only served to psychologically compartmentalize the two parts, at least in my opinion. The reason for this is that I had four months to absorb part one, so now the experience is out of sync. It feels strange, annoying, and unnecessary, as Automata really does feel like it got sliced in two for no reason. And um, with that uh, slicing in two for no reason slash brief pause, uh, let's dive back in. Part two, the first song, 13 minutes, proverbial below, in parentheses, night six. Enjoy. As a whole, this second foray into BT Bamland this year made a much more immediate impression on me than the first part. It just tickled my prog bone so hard. Um, and right off the bat, we are treated to an extravaganza of moving parts in true BT Bam fashion. We got this incredible overture of uh, different melodies with a myriad of styles over the first two minutes, which includes blast beats, uh, banjos, another ding 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 for cool instruments, and incredible shredding, uh, around 40 seconds if you're keeping track at home. Uh, my favorite part comes in from around 2 minutes to a roughly 4 minutes 50 because from the overture we go into this incredibly atmospheric piano line 
that makes me think of Tron, with Tommy musing, let's stay here forever. And then we are introduced to the lyrics, I am I, what is this? And this is all important because all the instruments are building intensity for Tommy to shout, found me, around four minutes in, with Blake hitting the toms with ferocity and building intensity, and the guitar playing this incredibly badass lead in this culmination of the section of 420, and that breakdown is such a highlight for me. Um, if I were to continue with my theory, this song becomes a lot more about the protagonist debating which path he'd prefer, that of self-actualization or comfortable complacency filled with anguish. He's questioning his own reality and loneliness, but at the same time, questioning why he should be questioning it at all. And as he is contemplating this, he's closer than ever before to reaching the grid uh, or reality and feels as if he is being physically prevented um, with lyrics referring to hands covering him. Again, I get the feeling that this adversity is manufactured both for entertainment, but also to amplify the subject's sense of accomplishment should they ever break their programming and escape. Alright, so uh, next up we have what is possibly the highlight of this double album. Um, I'll pair the two songs again. We have Glide um, transitioning into Voice of Trespass. Uh, buckle up and uh, put on your dancing shoes, people. We're going back to back. If you weren't snapping your fingers and dancing around and boogieing a little bit, um, I'll have to tell you that you don't have a soul. Um... <laughs> I almost imagine these two songs representing the ad you would see on TV for becoming a subject on The Voice of Trespass, and in a dystopian fashion, it goes into gruesome detail into what will actually happen to you, and juxtaposing it with Showtime and Brass, and that Brass is so good. This could be some commentary on our own society, and how easily we digest atrocities if they're marketed the right way. You know, to quote a lyric from Glide, time is irrelevant while you're in my arms, that kind of sounds like a slogan for Voice of Trespass, and could be the incentive for people to do this in the first place. You know, escapism from their dull reality. And, you know, jumping into the Voice of Trespass song itself, the song is simply infectious with how it simply explodes. I particularly like the way Blake changes the rhythm to give the same melody a different feel around three and a half minutes in. And, you know, conceptually, the song touches on greed, the expendability of the subject, and the promise of perfection, and... You know, there's a callback to the first song where Tommy admits with melancholy that uh, we are hollow, condemned to the gallows, and that starts around 5 minutes 30. This part sounds so ominous with the chime ringing and how huge the drums and bass sound. The lead is also a bit reminiscent of the lead in Proverbial Below, just a little slower, which again is a very BT Bam thing to do. And I like to think that this is commentary on the outside world and what society has become. Uh, the gallows being the chains we self-impose on ourselves to remain safe. The voice of trespass seeks to break this cycle by making the subject feel anything and want to seek life again. Yeah, um, that's sort of my two cents on that. Um, all right, home stretch, and for once, a happy ending with The Grid. Enjoy. Unlike other BT Bam album closers, this one gives a little of its climactic big feeling away for a true sense of warmth and serenity which is heard from the opening notes of the song. I mean, the lead guitar, which comes back into the chorus around 2 minutes 20, is just so calming and positive that really nail this feeling um, throughout the entire thing. Another beautiful moment for me is around 5 minutes 12, where we have the guitar twiddling in a really beautiful melody with Tommy straining, Please Don't Wait Up For Me. He sounds so soulful, and it serves as a climactic moment in the song for me, which leads to the song's calm and lulling ending which really hammers the point home that whatever the protagonist decided to do, he's content and at peace. 
with a smooth solo to boot. I feel like the ending to this story is ambiguous on purpose. To me, it is unclear whether or not the protagonist chooses to escape or remain in the safety of the grid. The voice of trespass flaunts uh, the ability to either shape or break the protagonist and others as well. The cool thing to note is that from the protagonist's perspective, either choice results in a happy ending for him, which lends itself to the question of whether or not he had any choice at all. A really powerful lyric in this song is, Judge not what we do, judge what we feed, which can be heard around 4 minutes 15, which sounds exactly how a villain would rationalize their actions. They are a means to an end, an end they view to be the betterment of humankind. Finally, the story ends with an acknowledgement that we are in this together, which lulls the album to its final resting place. It makes you think of the state of our society is in. And that for good or for bad, we are in it together. So maybe we should just appreciate each other a little more and make it a better place worth living in. (sighs) Great album. Terrible release plan. Well, that's all I have to say on that. Hopefully the next podcast won't be too delayed. In terms of releases, I'll cover what we missed and... um, uh, I don't have anything coming up on the August 10th this coming Friday, so feel free to fill me in. But in the last couple of weeks, we had the insanely talented guitarist Pliny uh, new EP Sun had come out, which is fantastic. I highly recommend checking it out. And we had progressive death metal uh, Australian locals Hadel Ma's new EP Charlatan also come out, which I've also enjoyed quite a bit. Um, but yeah, let me know what I should do next if you'd like. Um, I have a few ideas, but I'm always open to things. And as always, I'm Noam. I hope your sonic tooth was satisfied, and uh, we'll chat next time. Bye.